your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to be talking about Winnipeg versus Philadelphia and why this feels like kind of the beginning of the end for the season. I know it's not really the case, but let's be honest, you know, things are pretty dire in Jetsland. Before we kick off tonight's episode, though, thanks for listening and making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. I am your host, Harrison Lee an avid Winnipeg Jets fan, and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you want to stay plugged into the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, folks, tonight's episode is not going to be a lot of fun. If you watched uh, this game against the Philadelphia Flyers, I am sorry. It uh, it wasn't exactly as I was hoping, but to be honest, I'm not really surprised by the outcome. A- after what I thought was a pretty darn good effort on the road in St. Louis, you just had a feeling like a game before the break against one of the worst outfits in the NHL, a team that has basically won like two of their last 12 games, I think it is. You know, this Flyers team has had two separate 10-game losing streaks this season. Two 10-game losing streaks. How do you even have that happen in a single season? I don't know if the Jets have actually gone through something like that before. I think the longest we've had is like, what, eight games or something like that, and we only had like one of those streaks a year? This is a level of badness that, yeah, you, you, uh, you have to question from the ground up what is wrong with the organization, with the team, with the coaching staff, and with the players. So, you know... Coming into this game, it should have been a two points for the Jets. I think I predicted it on the last episode, but when the first period happened and the Jets scored first and then proceeded to get pummeled by the Flyers, you started to uh, maybe have a a few cracks in your hope. Uh, The first goal, at least, was very nice. Cole Perfetti had a great breakout with Pierre-Luc Dubois and KFC, and uh, Perfetti didn't even do like a looking pass. He just sort of watched uh, the pathway towards the net and then calmly wristed a great feed over to KFC, who basically had a pretty empty net to shoot at. All of this happened within the span of the first minute of the game, so a very flying start, and you thought, okay, maybe things will be okay. Maybe the Jets are going to calmly cruise through this game and start off their their break for the next couple of days on on good vibes, right? Because next week is going to be the start of an extremely busy schedule where the Jets are going to have very few breaks, playing a ton of suspended games from when they had their COVID outbreaks. Instead, the first period basically saw the Flyers come back with a vengeance and destroy Winnipeg's slot defense. The Jets just really didn't defend well in front of Hellebuck, and offensively, they were muted. I think the Jets recorded something like six shots on goal, but not many of them were all that dangerous. There were a couple of chances that were like okay here and there, but nothing that I thought really stood out to me. Whereas it felt like the Flyers had better zone cycles, I thought that they were picking off Jets passes more frequently, I I just thought that they were the better team. And uh, when you look back at some of the underlying numbers, the Flyers dominated the Jets in the opening 20. 
Winnipeg gave up something like seven recorded high danger chances, which I don't know if that's the exact correct count, but according to Natural Stat Trick, that's what it was. And given how it actually looked on the ice, I think that more or less aligns with what I saw. Winnipeg was just poor. I wasn't really impressed. You know, the top line of Shifley, Cop, and Wheeler was basically non-existent. The only line that was actually creating was the Dubois line. And sometimes even Dubois had some really silly turnovers and stuff. Uh, again, it's just one of those things that continues to be a problem with this team. And when the Jets turn the puck over, the defense isn't really skilled enough to account for that and cover as often as I'd like. This Jets backline uh, finally got Josh Morrissey back, and he was paired with Jonathan Kovacevic at first. Started getting more like second pairing minutes throughout the rest of the game, but, you know, I still feel like this blue line, uh, you know, is, is very makeshift in a lot of ways. I will say that I thought the heinola Pionk pairing had a great first period. I, I often notice that they have very good chemistry together. Uh, you know, Heinola will set up overlaps with Pionk. Pionk will do the same likewise. They'll switch sides smoothly. They've got great handoffs. And they seem to really anticipate each other's decisions well, which is something that, you know, with with a, a guy like Bolu, Heinola doesn't really have that same level of familiarity or chemistry, partly because Bolu doesn't really think the way that Heinola does, and also because Nate just really struggles at stuff that doesn't involve blocking shots in front of the net. If you're going to pair somebody like Heinola with another defender, you've got to give him somebody that's intelligent and who can think on his wavelength, or at least at the very minimum skate like him. And Pionk is probably one of the better fits. That pairing, again, I, I think that they had a good first period. I liked their zone exits. I thought that their transitions were good. And then once they were in the offensive zone, I liked the movement. I liked the way that they interchanged, and I thought they did good stuff to create some good scoring opportunities. Other than that, you know, not a lot happening in favor of the Jets. It was mostly the Flyers, and I, I kind of got the sense that Hellebuck was, for the most part, the only thing really keeping the scoreline in Winnipeg's favor. And look, I, I get it. It's a road game, right? You have a number of key injuries, especially Nikolai Ehlers, who's still out and probably won't be back at least until, I don't know, sometime next week at the earliest. Uh, but against the Flyers, a team that apparently hasn't won in regulation since, like, last December or something. You just can't put up such a poor performance, especially in the first 20 minutes. The Jets aren't really playing all that many games recently. They've had significant time off over the past couple of months, and this is a must-win game if you're trying for a playoff spot. Now, in my opinion, I don't really feel like the playoffs are even a relevant discussion. This team is now uh, officially, like, seven points back of a wildcard spot. But from the mindset of the players, they're going to do their part and fight for it anyways, which, you know, all fairness to them, that's their job, that's what they should be doing. I just don't think it's actually going to happen. And at this rate, I don't think it would actually be a good thing if the Jets made the postseason. This team has way too many vulnerabilities. It's, you know, very poorly managed right now. I feel like missing the playoffs would probably be, uh, you know, a better outcome in the long run. You know, the 20 minutes, though, that, that wasn't going to decide the season, right? So what occurred during the rest of the game to make me start to sour on this performance and ultimately, you know, my, my thoughts for the rest of the season? We'll talk about periods two and three in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear a little bit about Built Bar and why they're the best tasting protein bars on the market, especially if you're looking for something to help you with those pesky New Year's resolutions. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plans. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. 
They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Built Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super-sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we resume our discussion of Winnipeg versus Flyers, I just wanted to say again, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. At the end of tonight's episode, I hope you'll make our second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NHL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe today. And uh, now back to the task at hand, which is discussing Winnipeg versus Philadelphia. (laughs) We're on to the second period, and if you can tell by my bemused laughter, you know, the Jets just weren't that great in the second period. It wasn't as bad as the first, right? The first was a travesty by my account. I feel like that opening 20 minutes, yeah, unacceptable, Um, especially, you know, you're heading into a break, you really need positivity, and I feel like coming out of the gates, scoring a goal, and then just completely falling apart on the ice afterwards, that's just not good enough, man. It's its really disappointing. I, I feel like the Jets owe it to themselves and owe it to the fans to be a lot more attentive to the details, play better hockey, yada, yada, yada. These guys are all professionals. I mean, the post-game quotes, they're, they're you know, almost as upset as we are. And honestly, based on some of the stuff Paul Stastny was saying, it does sound like there's dissent in the locker room, which, you know, that's usually a symptom of being bad. If you're really struggling, guys are going to start pointing fingers. They're not going to be happy with how other dudes are performing. And let's be honest, you know, there are some players that come in every game and really perform up the standard. I think Cole Perfetti, for me, has been game in and game out. One of those guys who genuinely gets it and has this consummate professionalism that, I feel like a couple of the other players could really follow the example of. And people will say, well, you know, you're not a pro hockey player. How could you say that? How could you know what they go through and how hard it is? And it's like, of course. But, you know, if you think about it, right, you know, you you often talk about politics and politicians and all of the things that they don't do correctly or all of the mistakes that they make. And it's like, you know, have you ever served in public office? Have you been a legislator? No. So then if you feel that you can criticize a politician, but you can't criticize a hockey player because you see something that is very clearly wrong and you know it's not working and needs to be changed, but you don't have the experience to diagnose it or anything like that, what then really is the difference there? If the Jets players themselves are starting to point out that things are kind of screwed up, maybe, you know, you can call a spade a spade. It's obvious that the Jets are really struggling. And in this second period, again, Winnipeg really didn't create much offensively. Um, they, I think this was the period that we saw Shifley and Wheeler have a 2 on 0 and they didn't score. You know, you could say Carter Hart made a great save, but honestly, I didn't think the 2 on 0 was all that impressive. I, I don't know that I can really blame it on either player. It's just in a situation like that, when you're struggling to score, you just have to find a way to do it. I don't know what else to say. You, you know, you're talking about guys who are 
multimillionaires who are elite hockey players, you've got to find a way to make the play and, and make that extra effort to get the puck through your opposition. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, that's, that's, I don't know. I, I, it feels at times like it's a simple explanation. And yet when you watch the jets play and the decisions that they make, it feels like somebody has to try and simplify this because they're overthinking things. They're making really poor decisions under pressure. They've made poor passes and one of those poor decisions in this period from Neil Pionk then led to Mark Shifley losing a physical battle along the walls. It created an odd man situation, and Travis Konechny basically didn't waste any time, spun around on the turnover, and tied the game over Hellebuck's shoulder. Not much Helly really could do about it. Um, you know, Travis didn't really have uh, that much stopping him from just picking a corner. And you know what? Fair play. The scoreline was actually reflective of what the effort was. In fact, you could say the Jets deserved to concede at least two to three goals. Hellebuck did a ton of work tonight, and it didn't really end up mattering because the Jets' offense just did not pick up the slack. In a must-win game, it just feels like the Jets, again, were second best in a lot of areas. And, uh, you know, this middle frame... (sighs) I don't know. It's frustrating to kind of talk in, in circles and talk what feels like the the 50th time we've had this conversation, right? You know, we're, we're talking about the Jets again with another mediocre effort, another poor performance from the forward units. Uh, the defense wasn't really all that spectacular. As much as I enjoy, you know, some of the young rookies out there, overall the team defensive structure is an unholy mess. The forwards don't really offer much support. Uh, you know, Hellebuck is finally mortal again, even though in tonight's game I thought he was great. I just don't really know where the team goes from here. I mean, I I think for me, the only answer is selling. But, you know, beyond the season, unless you're really finding some kind of great leadership, the Jets are, again, spinning tires. I mean, this is now the fourth or fifth year that we've gone on from 2017-2018. Might as well have been a century ago at this point. That team is such a far cry from what we have now. You know, the same players back then had totally different levels of performance, engagement, body language, positivity, energy. You know, that that team feels like it wasn't even the Jets when you think about it. You look at this squad and compare it against back then, it's unrecognizable. It really is. And it's a shame because I feel like this roster still has, you know, at least a modicum of potential. There's there's good stuff here to work with. And unless the Jets make the right decisions long term, we're never going to see it. That's the disappointing part. I I think it's so hard to win a cup. It's so hard to make the playoffs. And yet the Jets have actively made it harder for themselves to have any shot at either. I'm starting to get to the rantier part and I don't really want to do that. So before I uh, go off the rails and start uh, really expressing some frustrations, we'll talk about the third period in a little bit and, and kind of go over why at this point, the Jets just need to make the decision to start selling. I don't really think that there's much more to be looking for at this stage in the game. Before we dive into the nitty-gritty, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about BetOnline.net and why they should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs. Football might be over, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this upcoming playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Not into football? No problem. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. They've even got great lines for all of you Winnipeg Jets fans. From player points totals to award winners and more. Want to bet on Hellebuck winning another Vezina trophy? Log into BetOnline.net right now and place your bet. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. 
To get started, register for a free account with BetOnline.net right now. Start winning today, because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are uh, finishing out our thoughts on Winnipeg versus Philadelphia, and what a depressing game. Honestly, what can you even say? It just... uh, it's another loss in a long line of very disappointing results from a season that has been an absolute disappointment. I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, the Jets came into this year looking for a sign of life. You know, Paul, Paul Maurice departed, but it really wasn't quite the wholesale change we were expecting. Rather, a lot of the changes came prior uh, to the start of this season in the summer. Uh, a revamped defense, maybe a couple of you know free agent acquisitions and stuff. Things were looking up, and then you get into the regular season, and it's the same poop sandwich we've been fed for the past couple of years, right? Not great. For everything that happened tonight, I think one of the only things that will get so much attention is that Heinola made what everyone, or at least a, uh, a significant portion of the fan base will say, was a poor pinch along the blue line. He dropped deep into the offensive zone, and it led to a uh, two-on-one counter that gave up the game-winning goal. Now, Here's where people probably should take at least a little bit of consideration into what exactly was happening. It's late in the game, you're tied 1-1, and quite honestly, the the offense has been pretty poor, the defense has not been very good, and the Flyers are probably going to win this game anyways. So, in many respects, Heinola's decision to activate from the blue line and support the forwards by creating a chance from the left face-off circle is actually pretty standard. This is what most NHL teams would do. The problem, you know, that, that came out of this was... Pierre-Luc Dubois gets the puck, he's in the corner, there are two or three Flyers skaters around the face-off circle. Heinola correctly moves into the space between them, looking for a pass reception. When he gets there, you know, Dubois, for whatever reason, decided to backhand elevate the puck into Heinola's, you know, his waist, basically, and there's no way for Heinola to even receive it. Also, very bizarrely, Jansen Harkin skated into Heinola's pathway and basically blocked any shooting attempt, and I don't know why Harkins even moved into the space. He wasn't really set up for a, uh, a net front tip or anything like that, so Heinola got blocked off. He couldn't really react. The puck deflects off of him and creates the two-on-one counter. There's like five different mistakes there, and all of it is just very sloppy execution. If you know, the Jets had actually pulled that off properly in the way that you're supposed to. I don't think that we're having this conversation. But the biggest thing is that the Jets only scored one goal against the Philadelphia Flyers. That's what it comes down to. The Jets were poor this entire game, and they scored one goal against one of the worst teams in the NHL. If you want to point fingers and talk about players who have made mistakes, fine, go ahead. There were a ton to point out, and this game was frankly unacceptable. But the the simple fact of the matter is, this team just wasn't good enough. Pionk, Heinola, Shifley, no one individually lost this game. The team lost it, and that's the truth. At this point, I I honestly would say just go for it, because this team has been so disappointing and really needs a spark. If you can get the win, it's fine, but honestly, this team is on the pathway to selling. I think that's the ultimate decision management needs to make. Get, you know, get some guys to different teams that, quite frankly, deserve a shot at the playoffs. You know, send Cop on his way. You know, ask Stastny if he'd like to go as well make some uh, make some deals, get some assets back, let some other guys find pathways to actually having a deep and enjoyable playoff run, and then start talking about the long-term future of this team. Does Mark Shifley even have a place here anymore? I don't know. Watching him is immensely frustrating, and to hear Stastny say that there were guys who feel like they're showing up one day, and then different people showing up the next game, 
makes you think that they're not really all that unified on what efforts are, are being put into practice every game. It sounds like there are some guys who just don't really seem to uh, really be gelling and, and really fitting in, or at least showing up with the same work ethic every game. For me, it's just uh, it's just disappointing. I mean, the season had at least some degree of promise, but eventually you just knew, somehow you just knew that this team would eventually disappoint you because they always do. There are very few seasons in which the Jets have surprised me in a positive manner. As much as I don't want to be disappointed, as much as I try to give them credit for the things that they do correctly, inevitably you just know it's not going to be enough. The culture in the Jets has to change from the ground up. And I think it's going to have to require a lot of organizational changes. I know that people are going to be like, oh, you're being too negative and you're overreacting. But no, I think that this is what the Jets are. This is what they've been for years. And if you haven't realized it yet, you're late and behind the times. I mean, this team has fallen so short of its standards as to be a shell of itself from what it was several years ago. All that promise of multiple cup runs, deep playoff appearances, what has that ever amounted to? The Jets now have an opportunity to start fresh and start from the ground up and rebuild into something special. And I think this is the time that they really have to be serious and make the most of what they have left because this team as it is, it's not good enough. That's all I'm going to rant about it though. I mean, I, I think my frustration is clear. I'm sure you're irritated. I want you to tell me what you think about this game and about Winnipeg's future at HL Living Local and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. Tell me what you would do with this team and how you would move forward because let's be honest. Right now, things ain't too good. But for tonight's episode, that is all the time that we're going to have. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Before you log off, don't forget to check out Locked On Bets for your second listen of the day. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis from Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're available on all your favorite podcasting services, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe today at Locked On Bets. Thank you for joining us. Have a great night, and go Jets go.